0: Uh, My name is Don, and it's my privilege to be here with you today. Um, I'm excited about having the opportunity to share this message because it actually started several months ago when I had a prophetic dream. And in this dream, uh, I was like in Times Square or, or somewhere like that, you know, where there's like lots of signs and lights and billboards and marquees. And everywhere I turned, it said at an appointed time. That was It was everywhere. I literally couldn't get away from it at an appointed time, at an appointed time. And I remember waking up from this dream, and it was so vivid and so real that when I woke up, I knew that it was significant. And so I, I, I wrote it down. I took note of it. And then um, when Pastor J.O. asked me if I would preach, um, I knew that that was for this moment. And so I'm really excited December 31st. There's so much significance to this date. Um, And so as I was pondering and meditating about at an appointed time, what what would that possibly mean? I was reminded of some scriptures out of Ecclesiastes. And you don't even have to be a believer to know these scriptures. There's songs that contain this. But we're going to go ahead and go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And we're going to read verses 1 through 8. There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven. Now, don't get lost thinking, well, this is so cliche because we're ending one year and entering a new year. God doesn't care about December 31st or January 1st. God exists outside of time, but I do believe that this is a now word, and I believe that the Lord is speaking to you today so don't tune me out just because you think you know these scriptures. There's an appointed time for everything, and there's a time for every event under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to weep, which for me is frequently, and a time to laugh Thank you, as if on cue. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. A time to search and a time to give up as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear apart and a time to sew together. A time to be silent. There's an echo in here. A time to be silent and a time to speak a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. As we come to the end of one year and we're on the cusp of a new year, it often warrants reflection on the past. But more importantly, I think that we need to be prepared for the future. If there is an appointed time for everything under heaven, who does the appointing? Right? I think it's important to know. Because oftentimes we think it's us. But if you keep reading in Ecclesiastes in verse 11, it says, He, God, has made everything appropriate in its time and that God has set eternity in man's heart. Did you know that? God set eternity in your heart. There is something There's a desire in you, an innate desire. You may not even be able to put your finger on what it is, but there is an innate desire in you to do more, to be more, to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And I believe that that is the eternity, the very eternity that God put in our hearts. And we often feel something lacking. Have you ever thought to yourself, I know that I'm made for something more than this. Anybody? I don't think that that's pride. I think that that is us identifying with that eternity that God has put in our heart. There is something inside of us. And I hope that today it's going to be a preparation for what the Lord would have moving forward. I find it interesting how many of the best Bible stories have a suddenly moment in them. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Well, let's look at uh, like Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. So many suddenly moments in the Bible. We even talk about and we prophesy suddenly moments into our own lives. What I find ironic and even a little bit funny is, is that suddenly moments are only suddenly to us. Because they are actually at an appointed time moment. God is not caught off guard. God is not surprised by this suddenly that comes and often interrupts, catches us off guard and totally spins us out of control. The reality is is that our suddenly is something that God has been waiting all eternity for. He's never early, he's never late. It's simply at an appointed time. Today, I would like to look at one biblical account that actually has two suddenlies, two appointed times in it, but from two totally different perspectives. Open your Bibles or your phones. I'm not actually going to use this, but I'm setting it here. It's not simply a prop. It's actually alive. Somebody? So we're going to go to, I didn't tell you where to go. You're like, we're waiting. We're going to go to Acts chapter 9. And hopefully some of you are like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Acts chapter 9. Do you guys know my lovely wife, Deborah? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I love you. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for her and the grace of God, often manifested through her. So I just want to honor you and love you. And my baby girl, Tori. Anyway, Acts chapter 9, verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Well, if you recall, just before this, Saul was one of those who put Stephen to death, the first Christian martyr. Saul was doing his religious duty, probably feeling pretty good about himself too, right? Probably a little bit boastful, excited to be a part of everything that's happening. He probably thought to himself, this is what I was born for. Until, at an appointed time, he had a suddenly moment. Verse 4, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Verse 7, the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. Sounds like a lot of us today, huh? So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. In one moment, Saul's whole life mission to persecute followers of Jesus was interrupted. It shifted and a reality of who he had been persecuting. See, it wasn't, it wasn't people. He'd actually been persecuting Jesus himself. At an appointed time, Saul's whole life changed. Everything he knew to be absolutely true was proven wrong. And it all faded into the oblivion of the light that now shone around him. Even the men with him on the same mission heard the voice, though they didn't see anyone. They had to help Saul up from the ground because he was now blinded. They had to lead him by the hand onto Damascus. Now we're going to skip ahead a little bit in the book of Acts, and then we're going to come back. I want us to hear in Saul's own words, who we now know as Paul... His story. So in Acts chapter 22, he's actually recounting what happened. And so Acts 22, verses 6 through 11. I love hearing that paper turn. Sweet sound in my ears. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. At an appointed time, the Lord revealed to him all that was appointed for him to do. Can you imagine the magnitude of that moment? It's like the, the total definition of repentance, like he's going this way to persecute what he believes is this righteous crusade, and the Lord interrupts him at an appointed time, and he starts moving in this direction. It would have been a complete shift in his understanding. In one moment of time, God can change everything. Amen? This moment was not on Saul's itinerary. That wasn't a part of his plan. You know, summer vacation all planned up and something happens. But don't think for a moment that the Lord can't and won't sovereignly interrupt your life and your plans. I'm not here to debate between the sovereignty of God versus the free will of man. What I'm saying is, is that the sovereign will of God will collide with your free will. At an appointed time. And you get to choose what happens. You get to choose. Free will is and always will be a part of our story. Which is what I love about the rest of this story. And we're going to see the other at an appointed time. That other suddenly moment. We're going to go to verse 10. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Ananias's response to Jesus as opposed to Saul's. Saul's like, who are you, Lord? Whereas Ananias knew the voice. And he said, here I am, Lord. The Lord sovereignly stepped in and interrupted whatever Ananias was doing. The great difference between these two appointed times was that although Saul was completely caught off guard, Ananias was ready. It's possible to be ready for your at-an-appointed time. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not without some hesitation. (laughs) Let's keep reading. Here's the old free will. But Ananias answered, "'Lord, I've heard from many about this man, "'how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem.'" And here he has the authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Here we see Ananias' free will at play. He's having a discussion with the Lord. No doubt trying to reason with God. Oh my God. I know you know everything, but this guy's not awesome. Ananias is literally taking his own life into his hands if he's going to obey what the Lord is instructing him to do. But Ananias had been pursuing the Lord. And much like Isaiah said in Isaiah 6, verses 8 through 9, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? I wonder if the Lord might be saying that right now to us. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then Isaiah, he said, here I am. Send me. And he said, go and say to this people. See, God never controls or manipulates, but he is always looking for those who would obey no matter the cost. And make no mistake, there is a cost. Paul had a revelation of what he was going to suffer. We don't. It often catches us off guard. But the Lord knows and he's prepared us. It's only suddenly to us. The sovereign will of God is always at play here. Remember how Ecclesiastes said that God had put eternity into our hearts? You will never realize the fullness of of why you exist and what you were created for unless you're ready to respond at an appointed time. Back to Acts 9, verse 17. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. At an appointed time for which he was ready and willing to obey, Ananias went to the most dangerous man to the Christian world, literally a murderous terrorist, and he called him brother. He came to him, and he greeted him in love, ministered to him, he got born again, he got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then he fed him. Never underestimate the power of food and ministry. <laughs> <laughs> May I point out that Ananias was never, ever mentioned outside of this interaction with Saul. Now to be known as one of the greatest apostles, the Apostle Paul. Though Paul later does mention him and refers to Ananias as a devout believer and well-spoken of, The rest of Ananias' life is lost to the sands of time. But at an appointed time, he fulfilled his greatest life purpose, and for that he will always be remembered and honored. See, you may never become famous. There may never be books written about you. But I want you to know that you will never Fulfill the eternity that God placed in your heart unless you're ready and willing when that appointed time presents itself to you. Are you ready? Are you ready? My question to you today is will your suddenly be like Saul's? Completely unexpected, likely even unwelcome. Or will your appointed time find you serving the Lord and ready for whatever task he may have for you, as it was for Ananias? I must confess to you that my at an appointed time caught me completely off guard, living for myself. I was a believer, but I was in no way, shape, or form a disciple or a follower of Jesus. And then in October of 2011, Tori, will you hand me that? I read this book, Bonhoeffer, Pastor, Martyr, Prophet, Spy. Somebody actually gave it to me like nine months earlier, but I was a little intimidated. It's kind of a big book, and I'm a slow reader. But October came, and as I always tell myself, life will slow down in October. I picked up the book, and the Lord absolutely wrecked me. Wrecked me. There was no blinding light. Actually, what there was was searing pain in my heart at the realization of how selfishly I had been living. I remember him saying, Don, this man was willing to die for me. What are you willing to do? Up till that point, it sure wasn't a lot. But God knew at an appointed time I remember asking him, Lord, why did you wait till I was 42 to wake me up? And I remember his response like today. He just said, Son, it was just time. It was just time. If you haven't experienced that moment yet, know that there is a time. There is an appointed time where the Lord is going to come and he's going to interrupt your life and it's going to be uncomfortable and you're going to have to make a choice and a decision in that moment. Are you going to say, who are you? Or are you going to say, here I am? You have the choice. God is not a puppet master. He's a father who invites us to allow the eternity that he's placed inside of us to come alive. To be a part of something far greater than what we could achieve on our own. In that moment, everything changed. Everything changed. We, we grew up in a home church. We'd never, outside of maybe weddings and funerals, we'd probably step foot inside a church building five times in our lives. But God was doing so many things. It was during that time that he planted the seeds of Honduras. And although he didn't reveal to us everything, nothing was the same. I remember December 30th, 2011, a guy named Spencer Van Ling walked into my office. And um, he was up here by himself. Amber and the kids were still down in California And he needed to get some insurance stuff going, and I I sat down with him, and um, we just hit it off. You know, we talked about all the things you're not supposed to talk about. God, guns, religion, politics, all the things. Let's go North Idaho. And um, knowing that he was up here by himself, today is also my birthday. Um, And so, thank you. Thank you. It's... Don't. Don't. Thank you. Thank you. Knowing that Spencer was up here by himself and just knowing that this was, this was a divine appointment. I reached out to him on Facebook. He says I stalked. I just communicated. Um, and I invited him over to our house. Um, just a little chill get-together. And, and he came over. And what the Lord did through that Divine appointment has forever changed my life. I needed him as much as he needed me. He said, Hey, I got invited to go to Heart of the City Church. Do you want to go with me? And the old Don, growing up in, in home church, who we, we looked down our nose at people that went to church, organized religion, but I knew that God was moving that this was an appointed time. Everything in my life was in flux. Everything I knew to be true, all of a sudden, had lost some ground. And I said, yeah, I would love to go with you. And so, it was the very first sound on Emma Street, the old church building, January 2012. And... For the next two hours, I sat there and just ugly cried as I sat in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'd been in a desert season for so long that to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit, I was undone. And I remember going home and talking to Mama, and I'm like, this is where we're going. This is where we're going. And I want you to know, if this is your first time here, or if you're just, This is a new place and you're just checking it out. I want you to know that God has used Heart of the City Church so dynamically in not just my life, but my family's lives. God used Heart of the City Church, Pastor J.O. and Ray Dean and the team, to allow us to step into the eternity that God has placed in our hearts. If you're looking for a church home, I don't think you're going to find a better one than this. We're going to challenge you. We're going to disappoint you. We may even offend you. But I want you to know that this is real. This is real. So, some of the most important people in my life I have met through Heart of the City Church. Now, you're at an appointed time, may look very different than mine. My hope and prayer is, is that you're an Ananias in this story. And as I close, I want to give you some key things I see that Ananias did to be ready for his appointed time. Number one, and this may seem really elementary, but you need to be a follower of Jesus. Number one, it seems like a given, but Jesus himself said that on to that day when some stand before him, he will say, I never knew you. I honestly believe. That had I died before this encounter, I think Jesus would have said to me, I never knew you. Even though I knew how to prophesy, even though I knew how to hear the voice of God, even though I had seen miracles, I believe that the Lord would have said, I didn't know you, Don, because I didn't know him. So, number one. Be a follower of Jesus. I call myself a believer, but there's a big difference between acknowledging Jesus and actually being a disciple and following Him, surrendering to Him. A lot of people acknowledge Jesus as Savior and they never make that next step to making Jesus Lord. It's not simply a a title, it's an acknowledgement. of the place that he has in our life, the authority he has in our life, that he is, in fact, God of our lives and not ourselves. Saul followed his religion to a T, but it wasn't until he actually encountered Jesus did he really find his purpose. So number one, be a follower of Jesus. And if you're not at the end of the service, you're going to have an opportunity it's one of the, the, the things that we, never, we will never ever get away from offering people the opportunity to become a follower of Jesus. Number two, be a part of a healthy local church. Ananias, it said that he was known among the believers. He wasn't some kind of lone ranger. I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. You guys know those people? Oh, yeah. Well, I was one of them for a long time. Somebody come over and they start talking about Jesus and I could talk a good game. But it was all up here. There was nothing in here. And what's interesting is is one of my favorite scriptures. I'm gonna open it in this new Bible that was just given to me yesterday as a gift. Proverbs nineteen. I think it's 19 or it's 18. One of the two. 18, Proverbs 18:1. 18, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing his own opinion. Guess what? There is no perfect church out there. But if you isolate You're going to get crazy and weird. Mm Mm-hmm. I hear some "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. Apparently, I got some witnesses up in this house. Talk to people that knew me about 13 years ago, 14 years ago. You've got to be a part of a healthy local church. See, Ananias understood that there was safety in numbers. Number three, be a part of a small group. When the Lord brought us to Heart of the City Church 12 years ago, one of the first things we did was get connected in a small group. I had been alone long enough to know that being lost in a crowd, even a crowd this small, isn't going to cut it. I needed intimate relationship, and that can only be cultivated in small group settings. You know, we talk about small groups all the time here at Heart of the City Church. And I am a personal recipient of the blessing of what that means. If you're not a part of a small group, make that a commitment to yourself and your family for the new year. Don't just keep sneaking in and sneaking out. Riding on the tailcoats of somebody else. Get in the game. Be a part of a small group. You can go to the heartcda.com slash small groups to find one. Or go to the next steps, starting on Tuesday. Number four, you need to have spiritual authority. Now, of course, the church and the elderships provide this, but I'm talking about having a few key people in your life that have full access to speak into anything at any time. People that can call you on the carpet if you start going sideways does anybody have those people in your life i don't count <laughs> she's got her ladies and i've got my guys clint right here front row he knows that he can he can call me out on anything at any time right uh-huh <laughs> i think that we need that And oftentimes that comes through the small group setting, but sometimes God will intentionally place men and women in your lives, that that is their primary role. You know, Timothy had a Paul, someone that was speaking into him and challenging him and encouraging him, speaking life. We all love that Barnabas, that person on our side that's just kind of walking through it with us, right? Right? Barnabas, the encourager, but we need the challenger as well. Or we're never going to grow. Number five, daily reading of the scriptures. There isn't a single one of us that can remain healthy for very long if we don't eat. We also need to feed our mind and our soul. You're already feeding yourself something. It might be the daily news or social media, but that isn't a very healthy diet. We need the living word of God in our bones and in our guts. And lastly, number six, join in the 24 days of prayer and fasting. This isn't some religious act. This is is something that I'm doing unto the Lord. And guess what? I'm going to get a lot more out of it than God does. (laughs) God doesn't need me to do this. He desires for me to to slow down life, to quiet myself so that I can hear his voice better. There's a saying that I love. It's the greatest cargoes in life come in over quiet seas. There's so much noise out there, so much competing for our attention. Everywhere we go, there's signs and there's sounds. But I believe that the Lord would encourage us starting January 2nd, we've got our all-church prayer January 2nd at the Coeur d'Alene campus, 606. I believe that the Lord would have you be there. Start your year off, right, praying, submitting yourself, Lord, what would you have me to do? But I think that we, if we don't slow down, if we don't quiet our souls, we might miss what the Lord would have for us. Even our appointed times may get lost in chaos and storms. I believe that every one of us will have an at appointed time in our lives. There actually may be key ones and smaller ones along the way. The question will likely be, will you be Saul, completely blindsided and unprepared? Or will you be like Ananias, ready and waiting and willing when your moment comes. On my way in this morning. <clears throat> I need coffee. On my way in this morning. I got a phone call from Pastor Stephen. And he said that Pastor Leo. Had passed away this morning. In his sleep. <laughs> Pastor Leo is very special to us. The heart of the city. He was 92 years old. He and his wife Phyllis were missionaries and pastors in Japan for almost seven decades. Almost 70 years. For the last 44 years, Pastor Leo had made a habit of reading through the entire Bible every year. As it turns out, he had just finished reading Revelations, and then today, on the last day of the year, he went home to be with Jesus, and I know that the first thing he heard was, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't want him, I don't want me to be, we want there to be a chorus of people that when they enter heaven, the Lord says, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want any one of you to say, I never knew you. But Lord, I went to church. I never knew you, but I read my Bible. I never knew you. It's not enough for you to know him. Does he know you? Life has an end. Talk about an appointed time. It's appointed unto every man once to die. And we don't know when that moment is. And I don't, I don't, I don't preach fear. Man, I, I love the grace of God, the goodness of God. But we've experienced a lot of death in people around us, our circles, our friends, unexpected death. My question to you today, are you following Jesus? Do you know him? Does he know you? If you don't know the answer to that, if you don't know the answer to where would you go go when you die, I believe that you have just encountered at an appointed time, right here, right now, December 31st, 2023, at 1024 a.m. Post Falls, Idaho. God knew you would be here.